year, so that was different. But feel like the guys have a good understanding of what we're doing on all three sides of the ball. Now's the time to compete. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Tonight is your chance to get a detailed peek behind the scenes from team headquarters in Berea. And you'll find out how the Browns are prepping for this week's game. This is the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. And welcome in to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Nathan Zagura joined by the three-time, three-time, three-time Super Bowl champion Gerard Cherry. And Gerard, here it is, the Browns and the Ravens. The Ravens 9-4. and four. The Browns, unfortunately, come into this one at 5-8 and eight after losing down in Cincinnati 23-10 to 10 last week. It was not enough to get the job done against a big division rival, Gerard, but we did see improvements from Deshaun Watson. What did you take away from that game? Yeah, from Deshaun Watson's standpoint, I took away from it that he grew in the form of a leader. He was definitely more confident in his approach and his teammates, how he handled himself and conducted himself on the sideline in the huddle. And I would even say from a passing the football standpoint, it was drastically better than what we had seen the previous week in that I don't recall seeing any balls hit the ground, Nathan, and I certainly saw a greater sense of command of the huddle and his presence on the football field and motivating and encouraging guys. The week prior, he needed his guys to pick him up. It seemed to me this time around, he was much more definitive in his actions as a signal caller. And that type of stuff matters because what differentiates a college quarterback from a pro quarterback is that in college, you rarely huddle. And in the pros, you huddle and guys need to look in your eyes and see that intensity and that fire and that confidence. And he certainly gave that. Yeah, there certainly is a lot of belief in Deshaun Watson in this building. Watson last week, 26 of 42, 276 yards, a touchdown and interception. He ran for 33 yards as well. But I thought you saw his ability if, you know, Browns fans were going to take anything away in structure, some beautiful throws, including an unbelievable dig to Donovan Peoples-Jones where the ball just kind of just on a laser beam, went right to him. He didn't have to break stride at all. And then out of structure, the busted screen that he turns into a chunk play, throwing the ball while being tackled 30 yards accurately down the field to Donovan Peoples-Jones, who, by the way, had a career-high eight catches and a career-high 114 yards in that one. He took some strides there. He missed some reads in the first half. Everybody's kind of talked about that. He has as well. But it felt like as the game went on, he saw it better, and it was a massive leap from week one to week two. If you see another leap like that, look out. This guy's going to be back. And you heard Marlon Humphrey this week in preparation for the game call him a top-five quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, and he certainly is. And think about it. One, to throw the ball 42 times, You. this is your – I call his second preseason game. So yep. he's already doing things ahead of schedule in my mind because typically in the second preseason game, you may play a quarter or two if that, right? So he played an entire game. And in the process of playing that entire game, Nathan, as you observed, he's running around. He's making plays. He's doing certain things. And on top of that, the Bengals give him credit. They were smart. Drop seven guys. And at times, they dropped eight guys in the yep. coverage. So I understand from not trusting what you see standpoint, 
He was going against a defense that's in season form, not mid-season form, but season form. And he's trying to get to preseason form. <laughs> so for me, it was a heck of a jump. So I was very impressed with what I saw, despite the interception and other plays that I'm sure he would want back. I thought he did very well. Yeah, and listen, it, it, the reality is the Browns are kind of in a little bit of a preseason offense while the rest of the league is, as you mentioned, not in midseason form. They're in almost full season form. And so that has been a challenge. We've seen that, but we've seen them get better, and that's what's important, obviously, for this team and what's important over the next four games. You're still in it mathematically. You're going to have to go 4-0, get a lot of help around the league. But listen, as I was told today, this was actually great, buoyed my spirits, Gerard. At one point, the Jets had a .1% chance to beat the Cleveland Browns in Week 2. We all know the Browns, unfortunately, did lose that game. The Browns have a .4% chance right now to make the playoffs. So four times as good as what the Jets had, and they did it. So we still got something to play for. Well, I guess each one of those .4s will represent for a game because it's one thing to have a game or a half left to play or a quarter, if you will, and get the job done. But I get what you're saying. That Beyond that, though, Nathan, here's what I will say. This is your opportunity if you're on this football team to prove even more so what you're all about. Are you a problem or are you the solution moving forward? There are four games to give a sample size to the powers that be, and not just here but around the National Football League, what you represent as a player. And you do not want the last four to be a bad because you know what they remember, Nate? They remember the last four. So if you're on a spot to where you're trying to survive and stay in the league, you better make this move your best move. You will, and you'll get an opportunity in a division game against the division-leading Baltimore Ravens this week, 9-4, and four, a team that the Browns lost to 23-20 to 20 back in Week 7, but it will be different this time around. For the Browns, we know the linebacking core decimated in the first meeting. For example, you had Sione Takitaki, Jacob Phillips, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa combined for 21 tackles, two tackles for loss, two passes defensed, and a forced fumble. None of those men will be playing. All of them have suffered season-ending injuries for the Cleveland Browns. So that linebacking core will look very differently. Deion Jones will play the lion's share of the snaps, Tony Fields. And then Reggie Ragland, who the team signed off the Las Vegas practice squad last week, he will get an opportunity at well, 6'2", 252, a big thumper. But Gerard, this is an offense. Even without Lamar Jackson, he is out. Tyler Huntley will start on Saturday for the Baltimore Ravens. Huntley this season, 79.5% completions, 275 yards, one touchdown, 83 rating, led the comeback drive against Denver for a game winner there. He's going to get the start. They're going to run the ball. Dobbins is back. They are going to stress the linebackers. What does that read option stuff do to linebackers? What do those they pull sometimes away from where they're actually going? A lot of eye candy, and they've got, of course, the best fullback in the league in Patrick Ricard. Well, here's the thing. You go back and you watch the film, and what you're going to find is that Huntley is Lamar Jackson light. Obviously, he's not as dynamic and explosive as Lamar Jackson, but he definitely can get the job done, and he's effective in this offense. He's proven that. But for me, my mindset is is that you know what they're going to do. They're not going to make any secrets about it whatsoever. They're going to physically try to dominate you, play smash-mouth football, and see if you're willing to tackle and be in the right place at the right time to make a play. This is going to be a really simple game. They don't have a passing game, so if you're honoring the RPO and worrying about passes, why? 
They don't pass that well. They run the football extremely well, and this game is going to be one in the trenches. And on top of there, with inclement weather, anticipate even more so the idea that this is an easy read. If I know my run keys, then I will have a really good football game from a tackling standpoint, especially if I'm playing a linebacker position. I don't think it'll be that hard of a game, in honesty, Nathan. Well, good. We, we need that to be the case. They need to read the keys, understand who's got the football. It'll either be Huntley, as you mentioned. Huntley, an effective runner for his career. Uh, he's been able to average about five yards per carry for his career and somebody that can put up big numbers kind of as a runner. And that's something that the Browns, I think, need to be careful for in this one because you look at him, 389 yards, three touchdowns on the ground, uh, five touchdowns passing, but eight interceptions, five fumbles. You can take the ball away from him. In fact, last year, he played against the Browns in the game at First Energy Stadium, came in relief of an injured Lamar Jackson, went 27 of 38 for 270 with a touchdown, six rushes, 45 yards, but he was sacked three times, two forced fumbles, and one of them, Miles Garrett, sack, strip, fumble, touchdown, was a game changer there. You mentioned they don't really throw it when they do. They throw it to Mark Andrews, 58 catches, 671 yards, five touchdowns, but Andrews blanked by the Browns in the last meeting, and that was something, an incredible feat by the Browns' defense. He is one of the absolute best to ride. If they are going to throw it, that's the guy you're worried about. Certainly. That is their main and primary target, and he is very effective. And in the past, he has done a tremendous job of just flat out taking advantage of us and being very productive. But that last game was very impressive because he was shut out, and they did a stellar job of doing that because coming into the game, one of the goals was to do what? Shut him down, and we certainly did that. Ultimately, we didn't get the job done. But when you go back to that last game, Nathan, and granted, I anticipate this being much different because obviously you don't have the two starting quarterbacks who played in that game available. But that was once again one of those games in which I felt we should have won and that we just did certain things and ultimately we gave the game away and let it slip away. And then obviously there were some calls at the end that didn't help the cause as well that resulted in us losing the game. But it's going to be a different game all around. I think this game is going to be even more physical because of the weather conditions and the simple fact that one team will certainly want to run more than pass because, heck, the weather won't even probably facilitate the idea if the wind kicks up to pass the football. Yeah, they're going to want to run it no matter what. By the way, Mark Andrews, seven touchdowns in his last seven games for against Cleveland. That's the second most of any player against one team since 2019. Only Devontae Adams, as a member of the Packers, had more eight against Minnesota. You said they will run it. J.K. Dobbins back. He had 120 yards and a touchdown versus Pittsburgh last week. He Back in 2020 as a rookie, led the NFL six yards per carry. He's a very talented player. Had missed all of last year with an ACL. Really has only been around in five games. And in the first four, had 123 yards rushing. He had 120 last week to ride. He looked healthy. He's somebody you have to account for. And then Gus Edwards, the big fella, 235 pounds. He had 66 and two touchdowns in the first meeting. So that's the one-two punch in that ground game, along with the quarterback, Huntley. Yeah, exactly. And, again, you have it on tape, so there will be no unpleasant surprises here you've seen it before so don't you won't be mystified and blown away by what they want to do will there be some wrinkles of course there will be but ultimately I think what they're going to say is let's see if their interior can slow down what we're trying to accomplish especially with guys who haven't played that much being now on the football field the linebacker position I really believe it's going to come down to that and of course they're going to throw some wrinkles in there because there's always going to be first second down and short there's going to be some long distance situations where we're going to have to get off the football field and he's going to have to pass but ultimately Nathan if you're a linebacker, you're dreaming about this matchup because you're going to have an opportunity to be extremely physical with a football team, yeah, that's going to do some RPO stuff, but ultimately they're going to hand that football off and see if you can tackle. Yeah, that's what the Browns are going to have to do is tackle. By the way, just an, a crazy stat, 
The Ravens have not had a wide receiver catch a touchdown pass in 10 straight games. The last one was week three against New England. Devin Duvernay, a four-yard touchdown from Lamar Jackson. When the Browns have the ball, they will take on one of the best defenses in the NFL. The Ravens, since acquiring Roquan Smith in week nine, second in points per game, third in yards per game, number one against the run, number one in yards per carry, number one on third downs. They are second in the NFL in takeaways, fifth in the NFL in sacks. They have not allowed a single 100-yard rusher this season. In fact, Nick Chubb's 91 yards in Week 7 was the most against the Ravens this year. This is a really good defense at all three levels. Two great corners, a great free safety. You got the veterans up front, Campbell, Houston, Pierre-Paul, Oway, the young guy who can all get after the quarterback, and then Smith and Queen at the second level. This is a good defense, Gerard. People are not scoring on them, and that's why they're winning. <laughs> exactly, and they're creating turnovers left and right. And it's seen with the addition of Smith, Queen is starting to blossom even more so. And think about last time we played, I can recall Queen doing something that hopefully he will not be able to get away with this upcoming Saturday in that he was doing a lot of the shooting the gap because yep. we weren't flipping and switching up the count. So he was just pretty much taking a guess, and he was guessing right. So that's going to be interesting to see if they go with that strategy again far as just putting pressure on our offensive line. And as, as of late, our offensive line has not been as dominant in the trenches. But when you're t- down to your fourth center, that's to be understood. So it's going to be a challenge for our offensive line because right now the Ravens are saying we're going to bully you. That's what they play and try to do across the board on all three levels of their defense. Cornerbacks are going to hold you. They're going to be physical. Safeties are going to get their shots in. Middle linebackers are very aggressive and physical, and obviously you just spoke about the defensive line and what they try to do as well. So you're going against a very physical football team who does not, and I do appreciate this about them, they do not mind playing old-school field position smash-mouth football. They don't care if the score is 10-6 to or 9-6 or 3-12. or to They don't care. They're all about that smoke. Their last three wins, 13 to 3 over Carolina, 10 to 9 over Denver, 16 to 14 over Pittsburgh. They have yeah, they're not afraid to play those low-scoring games. They also know they have the best kicker in NFL history in Justin Tucker to put it through, but you made a good point. Those linebackers last time Patrick Queen had 11 tackles, three tackles for losses. He had a sack as well knifing in and you know, one of the things is when you're on the road, it's a little bit tougher to change up your snap counts. The communication not as good at home. The Browns should be able to disguise that a little bit better, and hopefully that will keep Queen at bay. Gerard, Calais Campbell, next sack that he gets will be the 100th of his career. This is a team that's got three guys with more than 90 career sacks. Pierre Paul, Justin Houston's got 111. Pierre Paul, wow. 93.5. Campbell, 99. Veterans. Then, that's crazy, right? <laughs> Campbell's yes, been in the league. This is his 15th season, a six-time Pro Bowler. He was on the all-2010s decade team, still five-and-a-half sacks this year. He has been sensational, and at 6'8", 300 pounds, he is always a handful. Yes, he is, and correct me if I'm wrong. Did he start out in Jacksonville, then went to Arizona, and then now wind up in Baltimore? Is that how it went? It may have been Arizona, then Jacksonville, then Baltimore. Okay, I know he's had a – anywhere it goes, he's been productive no matter where he's lived. Yes. No doubt about that. Matter of fact, I think he got special teams player of the week for blocking the punt, a field goal rather. Yeah, and that's the thing. Remember, they got blocked to kick against us in week seven. We have absolutely got to keep our head uh, on a swivel about, and that's something part of our special teams operation. we got to make sure we are executing at a high level to prevent that. This team, they do it all. They do it all, and they do it all very well. Yeah, he was in Arizona. He was a first-round pick of the Arizona Cardinals back in 2008, Gerard. (laughs) 2008, 
And the second round, I'm sorry, 50th overall in that draft. He was with Arizona through the 2016 season, then to Jacksonville when they had those great defenses, 17, 18, 19. They went to an AFC championship game with Blake Bortles. That's how good the defense was. And then to Baltimore the last three seasons was a pro bowler as recently as that 2020 season with the Baltimore Ravens. This will be a handful. It will be a very tough team. They are sound. They do not turn the ball over. They take it away from you. They make life difficult on you defensively. And they wear you down offensively with that ground game. And then they've got the best kicker, as I said, and really best special teams unit. Devin DuVernay is the pro all-pro all returner as well. So this is a complete team. The Browns will have to be about their business to get a win against the 9-4 and four division leading Ravens. Fans, mark your calendars for face-off on the lake presented by Meyer, the first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium. On February the 18th, the Ohio State Buckeyes will host the Michigan Wolverines here at First Energy. Tickets are on sale now starting at just $12. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff or call 440-891-5050. When we come back, a little stock up and step up, plus we'll go around the league. You're listening. Still to come, I should point out, still to come, head coach Kevin Stefanski, as well as our exclusive one-on-one with Jadevian Clowney. You're listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. Be sure to stop by the free Twisted Tea Tailgate pregame party prior to every home game. Twisted Tea Tailgate is located on the west side of First Energy Stadium and combines the atmosphere of a beer garden with live music, food and drink options, along with areas for socializing. The tailgate opens four hours prior to kickoff and is open to fans with a ticket to the game. Time now to go around the league. Nathan Zagura, Gerard Cherry, the Kevin's Fancy Show here on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. All right, Gerard, we've got a little fact or fiction. And by the way, big one coming up tonight, Niner Seahawks. Those are some of the great games of the early 2010s, the Legion of Boom going back and forth. But let's talk right now about a new head coach, Sean Payton. Many people saying, speculating he will be back in the NFL in the 2023 season. So our question for tonight, fact or fiction, next season, Sean Payton will be the head coach of either the Los Angeles Rams or the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm going to go with fiction. McVay still has currency. He just won a Super Bowl a season ago, so he's still good to go if he wants to stick around. I've heard reports that he may consider going into the booth. I'd be surprised by that, but Madden did it at 40, but he's not even quite that old yet. So I'm going to say fiction, and also I believe Staley's going to actually make the playoffs with the Chargers, so he'll be safe, so fiction. I'm going to go fact. I'm calling it right now. Sean Payton will be the next head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers and get an opportunity to work with Justin Herbert, all that talent. Staley, you may say, even if they make the playoffs, he may get raw deal because, look, at they've been dealing without Bosa. This was the first game all year that Mike Williams and Keenan Allen both played and started and finished a game for them. They haven't had Rashawn Slater. And But Justin Herbert, I think that's where Peyton wants to go. The question will be, will the Chargers' ownership pony up for Sean Peyton? I think ultimately the answer is yes. The other little one I'll throw out there is Arizona. The Arizona Cardinals, could that be a place that Sean Peyton ends up? The late injury to Kyler Murray, though, puts a little bit of a damper on that one from my perspective. All right, 
Rank the following trades in NFL history from one to three. We'll start with number three. We'll go three, two, one. Worst trades in NFL history. Option one, Denver gets Russell Wilson in a fourth-round pick in exchange for tight end Noah Fant. Quarterback Drew Locke, defensive end Shelby Harris. 2022 and 2023 first-round picks. 2022 and 2023 second-round picks. And a 2022 fifth-round pick. The Ricky Williams trade in 1999, this is insane. The Saints and Mike Ditka traded every single pick it had in the draft, plus two of its first three picks in the 2000 draft. Every pick in the draft, folks, plus their first three picks in the following draft for the fifth overall pick to take a running back, yes, I was Ricky there. Williams. And then there's the Herschel Walker trade. With Minnesota and, in small part, the Chargers, largest trade in NFL history, Dallas used all those picks to put together the team that won three Super Bowls in the 90s. Minnesota never even made it to the Super Bowl with Herschel Walker. All right, Gerard, which one is number three for you, third worst? All right, now, because we still have room to let it see it play itself out and see how bad it actually becomes is the Russell Wilson trade. It's too early to write that bad boy off. Right now it seems bad, but there's always next season in the duration of this contract. Who's to say he doesn't flip the script and turn things around? So I'm going to put that at number three. I couldn't agree with you anymore. Russ, you saw a little glimpse last week of, you know, maybe starting to get it together. There is some talent. Obviously it was a wasted season this year, but it's too early to put the nail in the coffin on the trade. Whereas the other two, we can do that right now. So, okay, which one of these two, Ricky Williams or Herschel Walker, is worse? Well, as I alluded to earlier, I was directly impacted by the Ricky Williams trade because I was actually on the roster of the New Orleans Saints at the time, and I was blown away by the fact that this team took his whole entire draft for one player, and it happened to be a running back. And trust me, we were not a running back away from being a good football team. I don't know why Mike Dicka felt that, thought that, sensed that, believed that, promoted that, and traded for that, but he did just that. But with that being said, it's still number two. Number one has to be what the Minnesota Vikings gave up because it led to what? It led to the Dallas Cowboys being the team of the 90s. A dynasty. Exactly. So if your trade doesn't result in you benefiting and the other squad ends up being the team in which it has multiple Hall of Fame players and these guys are still very present to this very day in the world of football from a media standpoint and all that represents and record standpoint and what that represents you have to say that trade with the Vikings and the Cowboys and a little bit of the Chargers involved was the absolute worst one. Yeah, I will agree with you, and partially because the Ricky Williams trade produced that crazy Sports Illustrated cover of Ditka and Ricky Williams as his bride, uh, which is something that is iconic and lasts forever. But it, the notion, like, if you told GMs that had never heard about this, that it, 20 years ago somebody would have traded their entire draft plus the first three picks of the next draft for a running back people in 20, the year 2022, people would say they would laugh at you. They would say that is absolutely insane. Both of those trades were insane. The Herschel Walker trade, though, set up, as you mentioned, a dynasty for the Dallas Cowboys to win three Super Bowls. The picks that they got out of that are the players that you know when you think of those Cowboys teams. Absolutely incredible that that actually happened. When we come back here on the program, we are going to sit down with Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski. Still to come, Jadevi and Clowney. But really quickly, Gerard, stock up and step up for you. Headed into this game against the Ravens. Whose stock is up for you? Yeah, for me, it's the quarterback, Deshaun Watson. I love what I saw last week. I don't feel he made incremental steps. I felt he made exponential steps in how he handled himself and conducted himself as a leader on the football team and how he threw the football and the plays that he made. So I was very impressed with what I saw, and I'm looking for him to do even more to step up. 
Agreed. And then who needs to, who needs to step up for you? Uh, it's really simple. You're going to have a lot of guys playing that middle linebacker position and having a lot of opportunities to come their way because I am certain that the Ravens are going to go full bore and full speed ahead at our linebackers to see if these guys can communicate and tackle. So they're going to have to step up. I think you're exactly right. Watson, stock up, step up. The linebackers, really the run defense in general, to deal with the Baltimore Ravens. The sports world is full of myths, but maybe the biggest one is the sure thing, the bet that can't lose. The truth is, though, no matter how confident you are about an outcome, nothing is a given. Want to hear more myths like this one? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com. When we come back on the Kevin Stefanski Show, you'll hear from the man for whom this show was named Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski. You're listening all along the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You're listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Very happy now to be joined by the head coach of your Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski. And coach, let's go back to Cincinnati. What went right? What went wrong in that game? And what do you take away from it? Well, you know, disappointed with how it ends you know you you really these guys put a ton of work into this you get down there uh, versus a good football team on the road and and you got to play clean and uh, we just didn't do enough of those things on the road in terms of playing clean scoring when you get down the red zone getting off the field and money downs Uh, you know obviously special teams had had a big play that flipped the field there for us so ultimately just came up short and and that it was uh, the frustrating part, again, for how hard these guys worked to get down there and, and thought we'd play. Uh, we should have played better than we did, and that ultimately, you know, i got to make sure that we do that. In terms of the flags, because there were a lot in the first half, and that really changed the game. Both of their touchdowns came after drives that should have been over. It's like dropping a foul ball to a, a big-time home run hitter. When you went back and watched it, were they technique things? Were they mental errors? What was What led to to that kind of abundance, unfortunately, of flags in the first half. Yeah, and it was really those those three in a row uh, really, really stung us. And the rough roughing, uh, the punter, uh, obviously Tony's playing hard and he's playing fast, and, and we got to be under control. That's uh, that's an easy one for them to call. Uh, is it a lack of effort? No, it's not. Um, but we obviously have to be more aware in that situation uh, because that really turns into a turnover. It's really a turnover uh, giving the ball back to them. So we, we can be better there. Uh, I know Tony will be better there in that moment to make sure that we have no contact there. Uh, and then you got a big sack on second down and you get illegal hands to face. And that's something that, you know, our guys are coached to keep their hands in, in the breastplate and and sometimes it, it does move up and and they caught us there that hurts you then you get dpi and you know listen going back and forth there's there's a lot of hand checking there's a lot of that on both sides and you just have to play clean in any of those situations you don't want to make it close for the officials i would say is the biggest one so uh the you know any penalty you're always frustrated by you look at it and you say, all right, what could the guy have done differently? What can we coach differently? Can we, you know, can we get out of there and, and, and just have hand fighting? Uh, sometimes that's the case. Sometimes they get you. But ultimately we have to play clean football because it was just an example there in that stretch where the, the ball just makes its way down the field and it's aided by penalties. Yeah, 58 yards on that one drive, and there was another where you were going to get off on a third down, and they called a hold on Ronnie, which in watching it back, I'll say it, you don't have to. I thought it was pretty weak and certainly had nothing to do with the play there. But you learn from that, you grow from that, and speaking of growth, I thought we saw a lot from your quarterback, Deshaun Watson, in this second game. Uh, What did you see when you put on the tape? It's kind of what we talked about coming out of the first game. You had to get the first game out of the way, get the all the things that go with the first game out of the way. Uh, so I thought it was a step uh, forward uh, for Deshaun. I thought offensively it was a step forward and 
some of the things we're trying to do. Uh, it's not perfect, and we still need to be better. We need to score more points as an offense. Uh, that's obvious, but I do think that he's, after the you know long time off, I do think you saw glimpses of, of him playing at a really, really high level. Yeah, the ball to DPJ right in stride was an absolute beauty to have a screen busted up and turn it into a chunk play. Incredible. So certainly some positive things there. Not as positive the ground game. And it feels like as the season has kind of worn on, there have been certain games where dominant interior players have disrupted a lot of what we did. DJ Reader, we talked about him going in this one, had a heck of a ball game. How do we kind of get that going again? Yeah, we have to. Uh, you know, we, we want to run the ball better in, in some of those situations. Uh, and, you know, I wish there was one answer for, for that, but right. sometimes it, it's we got to do a little bit better job in schemes. Sometimes just one guy falls off his block and, and the guy makes a play. So I think the first thing you got to do is give them credit that they did a good job. That's historically a team that we've had success running the football versus their scheme versus those players, and we didn't uh, the other day and, and need to look at that and ways that we can be better moving forward. One bright spot, though, Donovan Peoples-Jones, career high in catches, career high in yards. He's he's within reach of a 1,000-yard season, which is a pretty incredible rise over his three years here. feels like he's got a great chemistry with Deshaun as well. What did you see from that? Yeah, I think, as you, as we've all seen Donovan over the course of his career, uh, he's a very, very dependable player. And I say that meaning quarterbacks like throwing to him because they know where he's going to be. They know that he has a contested ball skill set. You know? it. So it, it, he's a very comforting guy to throw to when he, you know he's going to be at his depth, you know he's going to make a, a play for you. So I think that's what you're seeing with Deshaun start to emerge. They've had a lot of reps together uh, on the practice field and then starting to get these in these starting to get reps in these games, I think will only help both those guys moving forward. Yeah, we're going to need that, and hopefully Amari can get healthy, get this offense going. It's going to be a tough task against this defense since they've acquired Roquan Smith, second in the league in points per game, second in the league against the rush. They haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher. Uh, they're pretty dynamic at linebacker. They have, in my opinion, one of the best center field free safeties in the league in Marcus Williams. He's back. He wasn't in that first meeting. What have you seen? How has this defense evolved since we went to Baltimore? Yeah, I think they've evolved, in uh, number one, in, ha in getting back some players uh, off of injury. So Bowser up front, their outside linebacker, defensive end, kind of a do-everything player for them. You add Roquan Smith, like you mentioned, in a trade, you get Marcus Williams back from injury. So they really added guys at each level of the defense that I think are playing at a high level. I think they're evolving uh, under a first-year coordinator as well, so I think you see them doing some different things as this season wears on. So it is a great challenge. Uh, it is at our place, you know, where we can play in front of our home crowd and, and play our style of football, which we, we know in this weather could be interesting as well as it gets colder and, and those type of things down there on the lake. So we'll have a great opportunity versus a really, really formidable foe. Yeah, and kind of a unique thing right now, at least, and I'm sure they'll bring somebody off the practice squad, but right now this is a unique team that has five running backs, if I count Ricard as a running back, and only four receivers on the active roster. They're going to run it. They got J.K. Dobbins back last week, season high, 120 yards. They've got Gus Edwards at 230. They've got Drake. They've got Justice Hill, and then they have a quarterback, whether it's Huntley or whether it's Brown, that can also run the ball. How do you come out and try to stop a team that really is content? I mean, last week, 17 pass attempts. They're content to run it and play defense. Yeah, it's it's a great great challenge, and and I think when you play Baltimore, number one, it's it's a unique one 
in their schemes. They're, they're going to pull guards. They're going to read defensive ends. They're going to be in multiple personnel groupings. They're going to have pre-snap motion. So you really, really got to, number one, get aligned versus this defense. And then you got to read your keys and do your job. Cause it, it, and that's when you, if you have any success versus this offense, that's what you're doing. You're playing sound football. You're tackling well. So uh, it's a great challenge. You mentioned the players that they have that uh, – all their quarterbacks can run. They all can get on the perimeter. Big, powerful running backs that have some speed and a great tight end. So there's different ways that they can do it. I think for us it co- comes down to you get there on Saturday, you see what their early plan is, the different personnel groupings that they're using, but ultimately we got to get lined up and do our job. And they stress the linebacking core. And we are going to have a very different linebacking core than we had last time. You know, we know Walker's out. We know Taki's out. We know Phillips is out. Now Jeremiah Wusukormo, I thought had one of his better games against the Ravens last time. He is out. Reggie Ragland just got here. Kunashik's basically played special teams the majority of the year, although he's gotten some reps at linebacker. Tony played a little bit more recently, and then you've got the veteran Deion Jones. How do you kind of put that group together? And I know there are no excuses. It's next man up. But against a team that's really designed in many ways to stress that second level. Yeah, I mean, well, listen, it, it is all hands on deck when it, when you get to this point in the season. Uh, we, I have a ton of faith in, in all the guys you just mentioned. Uh, they've been here. They, they know our system. They know our scheme. So, again, it does go back to just executing, doing your job, being where you're supposed to be. Uh, and then guys have to step up. And it's not just the linebacking core that, that has a chance to slow down this potent offense. You really have to be great at defensive line. you got to be great in the secondary as well. Speaking of great, I thought Miles and Clowney were phenomenal last week, both of them getting around the quarterback. Clowney should have had a sack. Miles gets two. Clowney gets the tip that leads to the pick. When those guys are humming like that, how does that benefit your defense? And unfortunately, you'd love to go against a straight drop-back team you know, all the time and let them go back. This is different this week, but when they play at that level, what does that mean for the team? Yeah, we always say, listen, it starts up front. It really does. So with our defensive line, the way they're able to affect the passer, uh, I think, is key to our success. And teams versus us try to get the ball out very, very quickly because of Miles. Uh, they they pr- obviously send extra protection his way, but the ball is coming out. So that informs us. It allows us to get our hands up. J.D. got his hands up with a great tip ball in that game. You'll see other times in that game where there are guys, the ball's coming out, and he's trying. To, those all those players along the front are trying to get their hands up. So understand that the ball's coming out really does allow us to play closer in coverage uh, and try to defend these passes. Has Perrion Winfrey kind of unlocked something? It feels like the last two weeks, two weeks ago, six tackles, season high. Last week should have had a sack that was, that was wiped out there. Uh, but it feels like he's becoming more of an impact player. Yeah, I think what you're seeing is he's playing really hard. He's really giving you great effort in, in whatever number of plays he's playing. I think that's that's half the battle uh, when you're talking about interior rush and interior you know, uh, versus the run. If you are giving great effort, if you're coming off the ball, you're exploding, you're running the football, I think you're going to make plays. Coach, I know that it's, we're not where we want to be, but still an opportunity at home against a division rival, and you never know. You run the table here, you'll see what happens. But best of luck on Saturday, and thanks so much for the time. Thanks, Nathan. All right, we'll be back with more of the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is Browns cornerback Denzel Ward. This is Browns wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones. This is Joel Batonio, and you're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show, all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Joined now by Browns defensive end Jadevian Clowney. And Jadevian, we didn't get the result we wanted, obviously, in Cincinnati, but a lot of positives in that game, certainly on the defensive side. When you guys put that tape on against a very good offense, what did you see? 
Well, I think we played well for a few quarters, but like I said, it's four, it's four quarters you got to play, and it's uh, complimentary football. It just can't be just one side playing. It's uh, got to be special teams, offense, defense, everything need to be clinking on the same page for you to come out with a win. It's the National Football League. Both teams was great, and both guys' teams was playing well on defense at the time. They ended up making more plays on offense than we did. You had six pressures. You made a play on defense, got your hands up, got a tip. You knew they were trying to get it out quickly, and Deion Jones gets the interception. Give you all the credit, by the way, on that play, as he should, quite frankly. He caught the ball, though. Uh, what is it about going against them that you and Miles are able to have so much success? I just think it's the division. You know, you take pride in that and and, and comp- competing. Uh, Joe Burrow, they went to the Super Bowl last year. I just got here. When I line up about it, I just think they've been there. So I, they, they went somewhere I want to get in. I'm going to go ahead and see if I light them up and get after their quarterback and, you know, try to help my team win and try to make plays. That's all I'll be thinking about when I'm out there. Is it fun when you and Miles are both kind of cooking like that? And I know you had a sack in that game, wiped away erroneously. But you also were doing it, it felt like a lot more kind of twists and stunts where Miles was kind of the pusher and you'd come around him. And that seemed to work well. Uh, yeah, kind of. It was kind of, it was kind of working like that, but uh, yeah, we was uh, getting pressure on the quarterback a lot. Uh, that's what you ask out as your defensive end and D-line up front in general. Like, it ain't just us up front. You got uh, Taven and uh, Jordan Elliott, who's playing, I think, having a great season, who, who had a couple of good rushes in that game also. So, hats off to them guys, and it's a total effort when it comes down to us rushing up front. Do you like doing those loops? And when you came around on the one where you did get him, you just, you saw him, he was just like, uh, uh-oh. I love it. Uh, yeah, it helped the team, helped the defense. And uh, guys can't just chip us all the time and don't know where we're coming from, don't know if we're running off the edge or coming inside. So we just got to keep that up and uh, make it a part of us and just not no game plan stuff. It's just something we got to feel of. And I think it helped us later on in the rest of the season. You mentioned complimentary football, and it feels like this year it's been a lot of little things yeah. in each game that have become big things for this football team. How do you clean that up? Small things, doing the small things. Uh, like they say all the time, it's about doing the small things. And, lead us finishing game, finishing, doing everything, just doing little things so we can just try to get, get fix some minor mistakes in the game. If it's a penalty or us giving up a busted coverage or something, just like doing the small stuff. Hopefully we can fix that in these next few games and see what happens. Yeah, you got a chance this Saturday against the Baltimore Ravens. By the way, what do you think of the Saturday? Is that uh, is it hard? It's weird. Uh, I don't like playing on Saturdays. So I feel like a college game. I don't feel like the national football game because, you know, we always playing on Sunday or Thursday or Monday. Uh, but you still got to get up for it just like any other game. And it's a, uh, another big rival game and division game. So playing against somebody who's really had our number here. And we just really got to come out and play our uh, style of football and be physical and play four quarters and hopefully get the win. In a way, it's kind of like college where you're having a system that comes to town that you see twice a year in our case. You don't see it all the time in terms of what they do. And it won't be Lamar. We don't know if it'll be Hunley or if it'll be Brown, but they are going to run the ball. They're going to bring Ricard running around at you with a head start as the blocker and and do a lot of that read option game. Uh, For sure, man. They got a a crazy package where they just go a bunch of different personnel, a bunch of personnel groups and uh, just run a bunch of everything at you with the style of football they run. They got a lot of guys, a lot of smoke and mirrors with pullers and uh, jet motions and everything going on. So you just got to be have your eyes in the right spot and you doing your job and reading your keys and everybody getting to the ball, not just one man. It's going to take all 11 of us because we don't know where the ball actually going to hit. We just got to be doing our job. What's it like when you have to deal with Patrick Ricard, who's a former defensive lineman, 300 pounder, and they give him oftentimes a running start at you on the edge there? Uh, hit him in the mouth. <laughs> That's the only thing I can do. Uh, I look forward to it. and I try to tell him all game, stay up and let's get it. Uh, let's have a good game and 
yeah, be prepared to be physical, and that's what they know I'm bringing to the table when I'm out there. So, uh, yeah, I'm bringing my physical game, and let's see how it's going to pan out at the end. Well, you're one of the best run defenders at your position and have been throughout the entirety of your career, and obviously that's something you just talked about, being physical. That's a pride thing. That's a want-to thing. Why has that always been so important to you, and why have you been so good at it? Like I said, like you said, I take pride in it. Uh, I grew up, man, grew up like that. Everywhere I grew up, that's all they talk about, being physical, going out there, hitting people in the mouth, and uh, I always took pride in that. And, you know, that's just why I play. That's why I see the game. I always seen it that way. And, I always want to be physical, don't want to get bullied by nobody. I just take pride in that. Well, you mentioned college earlier. You have one of the all-time highlights in the history of college football where you certainly were not being bullied on that play. You were doing the bullying. Is that one of those things you look back at that now uh, with all these years that have passed? You're so like, that was legit. Uh, yeah, I think about it sometimes. People bring it up to me all the time. It seems like it never dies, but it's so crazy. It's been like nine years since that happened. But, uh, yeah, I was just like trying to make a play for my team. and. Knowing that we just got a crazy play to stop that, that should have been turnover. But you say, hey, Coach Conner, we're going to make another play. You always got it in your head going out there. Whatever you can do for your team, make a play. And I just try to make a play on that time. It happened. And you have made plays this year directly responsible for two turnovers, two takeaways so far this season for the Browns. And you got to get those against the Baltimore Ravens. They're a team that takes it away defensively, doesn't really turn it over offensively. How can you guys kind of make those game-changing plays? Uh, like I said, it's going to us getting our hands up on uh, some balls, tip balls, and uh, everybody ripping at the ball and getting them guys to the ball. And hopefully they can throw us a few and pressure up the middle. And uh, uh, with our guys up front, we got to do our job and come to play, be physical, like I said, and get after that football. We know what it takes. We're going to need turnovers to beat this team, and we know that. And it's going to be cold. It's going to be freezing. You, do you like that or not so much? Uh, it ain't going to hurt me. I'm playing defense. So we got to get after the ball, carry whoever running the ball in the cold. That's what I'm thinking. And receivers punch at the ball this week and try to get some turnovers. You happy to be back in front of the home fans again? Uh, yeah, it's been a while. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, let's get it. <laughs> Jay, and thank you so much for the time. Best of luck. Yes, sir. Take care. Good to get a chance to talk with Jadevian Clowney coming off of arguably his best game of the season against the Bengals, and you heard him. He's excited for division matchups. There are still two more on the schedule starting Saturday against the Baltimore Ravens. Be a part of one of the most passionate fan bases in the NFL. Join the Brown season ticket member waitlist today for the best chance at securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. When we come back, final thoughts, the Browns and the Ravens this Saturday. You're listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Browns fans, get into First Energy Stadium quicker on Saturday with Express Access presented by Root Insurance. Enroll for free today to enter through exclusive lanes at each gate, plus each game you use Express Access at First Energy Stadium. You'll be automatically entered for a chance to win a Browns autographed item. Go to the Tickets tab in the Browns mobile app to learn more. All right, the 9-4 and four Ravens, winners of six of the last seven against the 5-8 and eight Browns. The Browns looking to beat them in December at First Energy Stadium as they did a year ago, and ironically enough, Tyler Huntley was the quarterback that time. He will be the quarterback this time. The Browns absolutely need to stop the run in their keys to victory. Stop the run 
Dobbins, Edwards, Huntley, force them into passing situations. Do what you did last time, which was blanket Mark Andrews. Force him to throw the ball to the receivers who have not caught a touchdown in 10 games. And then you've got to win the turnover battle. Or at least be neutral in it. You cannot lose the turnover battle. That's something that the Baltimore Ravens do so well this year is take the football away and not give it away. They are second in the NFL in turnover differential, plus nine on the year in only 13 games. So they average taking one away more than their opponent just about two out of every three times or three out of every four times they are out there. That's what you got to do. It's going to be tough to run. They're the number one run defense in the league of late. But Deshaun Watson, Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Njoku have got to be able to take advantage through the air. Remember, the game is on Saturday at 435. The lineup on Saturday, 12 p.m. Browns game day with Ken Carmen and Gerard Cherry. At 2 o'clock, it's the Browns kickoff show with Ken Carmen, Andy Baskin, and Tyvis Powell. And then at 435, it's kickoff with Jim, Gerard on the sidelines, and myself live from First Energy Stadium. A big one for the Browns here. Play some spoiler and also keep those playoff hopes alive. Thank you for listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You've been listening to the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Join us next week at this time for more from the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. This broadcast is a copyright of the Cleveland Browns and the National Football League. Any other use of this broadcast, descriptions, or accounts without the prior consent of the NFL is strictly prohibited. This is the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network.